Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This episode of Screen Talk is sponsored by the new Netflix movie Shimmer Lake, starring Rain Wilson, Rob Corddry, Adam Pally, and Ron Livingston. Oren Uziel makes his directorial debut with a truly memorable ensemble in this darkly comic crime thriller. Unfolding in reverse time, the film follows a local sheriff hunting three bank robbery suspects, one of whom is his brother. Shimmer Lake, now on Netflix. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the deputy editor and chief critic, joined as always by Ann Thompson, our editor-at-large out in Los Angeles. And Ann, I have to say, it's nice to get a break from talking about Cannes, talking about Oscar buzz, to just sit back and relax and watch James Comey testify. It was, it was actually A real really, piece of theater. <laughs> I know, theater, live TV, kind of a movie in its own way. And, but we and, watched it because we wanted to see how it played, right? We wanted to sure. see if he was legitimate, if he came across as in, having integrity. You know, what was he in, was, was he, was he, was he in a, in a, in a Frank Capra movie? And how, how did he stand up against our view of Donald Trump? And, and, there was no contest and the Republicans that went up against him who tried to make him look bad didn't get very far well and remember we also have one aspect of this testimony that wasn't seen by the public quite a few things we're not going to yeah in the closed door sessions the optics are one thing and the uh the 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 reality or something else but what, what was so fascinating about it is that you know it's it's so 21st century that something like this would be built up the way that it has been and you could watch it in all these different ways you know i had it going on my phone when i was on the subway and then kept going in my office it was like i do the same thing i started out with the radio when i had to do some things at the same time and then when i finished and i had to stop and do an interview i went into the living room and watched it on my tv until i had to go back to work but it was like comey in your pocket you know but i think what's fascinating about him as a as a character is that he embodies the paradoxes of our times right this guy who was like vilified last fall who now seems almost like heroic in a sense or at least opening the window to some kind of morality that's been obscured by the Trump administration and we're but we're, maybe he's smarter and more knowledgeable and cleverer than Donald Trump who just well, kicks himself at butt every no, five no, minutes yeah no no you know I mean this there. guy this operative basically he taped he took notes he planted information so that there would be a press a special prosecutor appointed I mean the guy figured it out in a way that I mean it makes me almost wonder you know if I should forgive him for what he did with Hillary Clinton and, and yeah, the emails. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. I mean, that was clearly a mistake, <laughs> and it was a mistake I don't that forgive him, he but, does not, yeah. in his testimony, say, I mean, we, we can really dissect this from a Shakespearean perspective, right? I mean, he right. does not, in the testimony, say that he has any regrets about doing that. No, and not And that is all. something that is, it's so cut and dried. You could argue, I mean, Hillary made all these mistakes. She, she was not the best candidate in a well, lot of ways. Well, that book shattered but, I mean, it's very much uh, yeah. revealing the various things. Of that, course, but Comey did some stuff that is is hard to It to had forgive. an impact. For sure. So I think what was actually really interesting about it is that 
from you know an image standpoint, you got a real sense of how different people react to this kind of pressure. I mean, Comey knows exactly what he's doing. There's this whole thing about how these intelligence operatives control their emotions so that you know when they give intelligence briefings, they're not supposed to sway the president. So he's very good at doing that, except when he you know makes a joke or somebody catches him off guard. Or talks about his wife. Right. It's like how, how, he how do you stood his wife him? up when he was called right. by the president. Exactly. You know, he he knows how to no, look, he's a he's somebody who's been at a high office uh, in, in the in the government. He knows how to be charming when he wants to. He he played very well. So, who would play him in a movie? We 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 put up a story about this today. Well, who would be your number 1? <laughs> well, let's see. Uh, what what have we got? Um I I don't know. I, I who do you like? Well, it's tricky because it's one of those things where it's like you don't want somebody who's too charismatic, but you don't want somebody who's contemptible either. So Tom Cruise wouldn't work, right? Tom Cruise was perfect for Sully, this kind of like all-American, very well-rounded moral character. Comey, it's a little bit more complicated, you know. I would say even I mean we, we were speaking about him not too long ago because of a piece you wrote this week that somebody like Ed Harris might be but Ed well Harris positioned. would be has already played McCain he's too old <laughs> that's true you know he's you he's, can't he's, have he's actually not playing McCain who's playing McCain yeah, so. but Ed no Ed but but this this brings up you know Ed Harris is 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 this character you know this actor I happened to write about him this week cuz I was doing a column a career, I do this thing called career watch where I look at their whole career and and he he has he's played John Glenn you know in the right stuff he's played John McCain he's played he's played the 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 guy at, at mission control for NASA for Apollo 13 you know he's he's the guy you know he was the voice in field of dreams i mean there's certain actors who have this utter complete integrity about them and I understand why you would come up with him for for this um maybe maybe uh and and, and so he did the man in black in Westworld and so I was addressing you know why was he the perfect casting you know for for that big huge wonderful HBO show which I liked a lot um and then I did a story on Sam Elliott uh, who would also be too old uh, and too and too uh too, too tall to to play. No, to play Sam Elliott. He's more of one of one of those other one of those senators back the there. He can be stuff. one of the Republicans. How about this? How about this? Because this is a name that's relevant to us. Just, just work with me on this. Tom Cruise needs to resurrect his career a little bit. Oh yeah, we got it. We got what issues. If, anyway, so, what if so, Tom Cruise were to play a character who was so? I mean, Tom Cruise is not the most lovable screen figure anymore. I mean, not to say he ever was, he was kind of like a snarky guy, but at this point... He's a popular 50s, movie star, and he has kept his stardom intact, even when he went through a very bad period, and it was fun on Twitter. Uh, basically, the reason we want to talk about this, the mummy, right? And so your our, our critic, David Ehrlich, did one of his great, great pans of all time, saying that this Tom Cruise movie was the worst he'd ever done. And he, ever. He, is, he is right. But but I would say <laughs> that there there's a clear-cut attempt to do something with the mummy, and to do something that that I, I could I can see why somebody like Tom Cruise would be attracted to him, but 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 it was a miscalculation. Here's my argument. My argument is that the reason that he ended up having less control over this, working on a, a project that was really uh, this guy um, uh, who directed the movie, Alex uh, Kurtz, What's his name? Alex Crick. 
Kurtzman. He, he, he's from the team that used to work on the Star yeah, Trek Kurtzman, movies. Yeah, yeah. He he is. He's made like one movie as a director. He's a very very good screenwriter and producer, and I have a great deal of respect for him. But but what you end up is is you're clearly in this. Um, monster universe where the uh, Universal Studio is going to resurrect their the uh, franchise, universe. right, their fr dark franchise monsters. And, and, and they're not, you know, this is all part of this attempt that all the studios are trying to create these immersive universes that fans can come back to time and time again. And it shows how difficult that really can be. Uh, let me, let me say failure. something about that, though, because I, I know you, as, as we're recording now, you haven't seen the movie. And no. I don't expect that you'll like it. But I will, I think you'll be surprised at how much this movie is trying to be likable. It's not a, a total miscalculation in the sense that it's just, you know, lifeless. It's, it's just firing off in all these ridiculous directions. It's kind of a, a more of those faster, funnier Tom Cruise action-adventure movies for the first half, and then the franchise building comes into play, and it's not even that it's, like, annoying or too busy, like a Transformers type of spectacle, so much as it's, like, just completely absurd. I mean, it's like trying to be League of Extraordinary Gentlemen or something with Russell Crowe as Dr. Jekyll. I mean, there were, like, laughs in the room, even though it wasn't a surprise that he was playing this character, because the way it's introduced, it's like, oh, see, the universe is starting to come together. And it's just, <laughs> the thing is, about those movies... they've been movies, doing this for a while. They, they, they were doing this when they did The Wolfman. Look, when I they was just a, keep saying that they're gonna that they're going to do it right, and they haven't done it well, right but it yet. Also, it, it doesn't make sense, because it, these are such ludicrous characters to begin with you could you could turn up the horror dial on Wolfman or, or Frankenstein and that's great but the idea of a big universe connecting all of them is not inherently exciting one of, one of the movies that I loved when I was a kid was Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein but it wasn't because of the idea of, of, of like some universe in which this made sense it was just a silly comedy you know it's like if Adam Sandler meets Frankenstein or something like that. It, it's a, it, it doesn't take itself seriously. The well, idea maybe they'd be better off to, to getting Kevin Hart and right, exactly. Johnson and, and having them meet these these monsters from the from the Universal exactly. Vault. Just I be, don't think be, that's a bad idea. Be transparent about the fact <laughs> that these are silly things instead of trying to play straight with something that's just... It's never going to get there. There's just no way. I mean, superheroes, people take superheroes very seriously. You have yeah, but, to get that right. It's right. very but, different. But so. The question you were asking is about Tom Cruise yes. and how did he end up in something like this that doesn't work when he's usually the very definition of a controlling movie star who makes sure that the movies he makes, this is one of the reasons he's lasted so long. He, if, you go, if you do, you can list his worst movies because most of them aren't that bad. Most of them actually function and, right. and they're not There's as bad as some kernel of a reason why it exists in the first place that you, you can almost see, but then there's too many cooks in the kitchen, or it's like certain miscalculations. I just feel right, like he's, he's not, not. He's not in control of it, and so the, the the issue here is is why is Tom Cruise reduced to playing this part? Well, I feel and like that there's... goes to the studio paucity of big movie star roles, and it goes well, to sure. the issue of him insisting but... upon staying a movie star I don't know if instead of that. turning, you know, making the turn over to a character I mean, actor. You, the, there is a dearth of, of, of younger movie stars because the idea of selling people on actors as opposed to or building stars. They're brand, not doing that They're, they're not building stars. And, and well, I feel like also... TV. Well, that exactly. It's a totally different situation. 
But with, with Tom Cruise, it's also like that maybe there was a certain point, say five or six years ago, when the kinds of roles that Tom Cruise were, was going for needed to evolve along with his age and also with the fact that, you know, there's a new generation of moviegoers that need to be introduced to Tom Cruise from a different angle or something like that. You can't always just be reborn overnight like Liam Neeson who became a movie star in his 50s. That's why I threw out Cruise with respect to Comey thing, you know, Tom Cruise is 54, James Comey is 56. Something like that could work if you wanted to get more, you know, respect as an actor entering, you know, middle age. These are, he needs to choose those kinds of roles that actually fit him. And it's not to say he looks like an old man or something like there's no, I'm not trying to make an ageist argument here. It's more just that, you know, the idea of him chasing after big, fun popcorn movies seems like it's the root of the miscalculation. Yeah, no, he needs there. to move, he needs to move into some more. He did Magnolia. He's done a number of really, really good character parts and what he could do it that? again. He I mean, could that work was with so directors of that, that caliber. Was, it's crazy yeah. to think about Magnolia was 18 years ago. You know, like that was... It, well, it, but think, he worked with Oliver Stone. I mean, there's some really... He's done some remarkable work, and I think we want him yeah. to be... I think we want him to... Part of the problem is that there's more there's more big star vehicles of this sort, and there aren't as many middle road uh, movies that, 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 that are challenging. And he does... You know, some, some of them are... are they're, they're just not making as many of them. He needs to become more involved in developing and, and making sure that those movies go his way instead of just picking up on the studio stuff. Yeah, I mean, the thing about The Mummy that I thought was kind of strange, too, is they already had this Mummy franchise, which, while totally silly, was not universally hated. I mean, it was they probably made more of them than they should have, but it wasn't something that was crying out to be rebooted. Not at all. You know? I mean, I, you look at Tom Cruise's upcoming projects, the next one on the docket, at least according to IMDb, is Top Gun Maverick. I mean, that just, that just tells you that there's something, you know, he's shooting Mission Impossible 6. It's like there's, there, there's some well, kind of stuck in a loop. You no, know? this happened to Harrison Ford, too. I mean, you know, you, you, you want to hang on to it as long as you can. You know, Clint Eastwood, I mean, these people don't want to give up their stardom. They want to. They want to hang on to it as for for as long as they possibly can. Well, the Sam Elliott thing that you mentioned earlier is actually relevant because this movie, The Hero, is coming out, and it is actually about this movie star past his prime, and everybody exactly. remembers him for these earlier movies, and he wants to come back and direct the movie. And it's a very sad. I, in I my, think he's I thought wonderful very minor in film, the movie, but. and he reminds me, in a way, of Ed Harris in the sense that he's another one of these actors. You know, why has Sam Elliott? I mean, of all the actors out there, all the different people that we've known and, and observed over the years, if you look at his resume on IMDb, he has worked steadily since the beginning. He has never not had a few movies out, a few TV series, a few things going. He did Justified. He did, you know, the the Lily Tomlin grandma movie uh you know he's he did he did the the i'll see you in my dreams this is his recent you know upsurge and now and now he's very good in in the hero where the director actually made you know taylor made the movie for him well it's also there's a generational thing with him where it's like if you are of a certain generation maybe you know quick and the dead or something like that move up 10 years you know he's the stranger character from the big lebowski i mean he's like he's that guy who's like kind of around he and keeps like, you know, popping around yeah. and and part of it he did a lot of westerns you know part of it is this sort of you know tall guy with a with a 10 gallon hat kind of thing but but he's also he's also got this kind of um 
you know, he's played his share of villains, but he's actually, like Ed Harris, he has this iconic American gravitas, this, this sort of integrity about him that I find very appealing. And I think that's why they, they give him all these commercials. You know? yeah. It's like a Burt reynolds kind of a thing, too. Or the, you know, well, Burt had a little more crazy, manic edge to him, actually. I, I, think, I think this is, this is somebody who's very solid, you know. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's, I, I, I think more uh, Clint Eastwood. Yeah, too. yeah. I mean, it's, that's true. He never continued to evolve the way that Eastwood did by becoming a filmmaker and all. Well, that Burt kind Reynolds of stuff, didn't but, make it. I mean, he yeah. didn't. He didn't stay in the game. I mean, he 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 had a he had a kind of a a freewheeling comic persona. Well, he's still acting too. It's he's not in movies that anybody really is talking about. No. I mean, although the hero is not, I would say, a great film. I think it's a strong performance for him, and he basically carries it. But it's it's a very minor film when you get down to it. I mean, it's it's he's just this kind of sad actor, and he has a relationship with a younger woman, and you know that she kind of lets him down, and that's kind of it. But it's well, he's you know, he's he's sick. He's he's he's, yeah, he's exactly. trying to mend, Inevitably, mend his relationship with his estranged daughter. It. I mean, and, all that and, stuff just felt very obvious to me. But I, it it could be worse. I just didn't find it, the movie to be as impactful as as what he was putting into it. And put it that way. Well, again, it was it was tailor made for him, and I think it gave him an extraordinarily good, rich vehicle and 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 an honest one. So inevitably, we do have to. Ask with a movie like this, the awards question, which is, you know, is that enough? Is knowing that Sam Elliott is this this great, you know, treasure of American cinema who these days isn't appreciated enough and now has a movie where he is the central figure, does that catapult him into award season? I would say that there's plenty of 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 evidence uh, to support the fact that an older, uh, popular actor, you know, whether it's Anna Kirkland or, 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 or what, what, no, Sally Kirkland is her name, I think, in the movie Anna, that's what it was, or, uh, you know, the, the Jane Fondas of the world, the Sally Fields of the world, you know, there's, there's, there's room for them to, to break through in the right vehicle, the one that the actors are going to respond to, and that's why I have him on my Oscar list, even, um, the movie, you know, the movie will, will have to be watched and seen, and it depends Depends on the competition. If he has too much powerful competition in the in the best actor race at the end of the year, he you know you know what's her name? Um, you know you can have a movie like like the uh, Jennifer Aniston right. vehicle, you know yeah, that, that that'll break through. But it didn't go all it the didn't way. Didn't get there because it just yeah. wasn't that. It, it depends. It depends. Well, Orchard, the Orchard bought the hero. They're, they're out of pushing it. They put hard. three million dollars into this movie if reports are to believe, which is a lot, and that means that on some level they must have a lot of confidence in what's going on here. Although it's still very early, right? I mean, how can we even begin to assess best actor? I mean. For all we know, Robert Pattinson in Good Time is still a major contender. Although I still think that's unlikely. <laughs> that Pattinson that, versus Elliot, that, Sam Elliott, though, that's a great race right there. Well, well uh, no, I mean, I, I have I have Rob Pattinson on my list as well, and we'll have to see how the movie does when it comes out. I mean, the the reviews for for the hero are are, are not as good as they ordinarily would be for 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 this to go all the way. Um, but uh, but it, it was fun talking. Talking to him, I like him. Yeah, I mean, I, I can only imagine. I mean, a guy like that—he's he's pretty charismatic. He probably won you over 
using some of his old tricks, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's what the movie's all about, you know. You um, I'm you. I'm not I'm not immune, um, <laughs> but I'm 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 you know I get to I get to uh, I get to talk to some of these people in in this in this crazy uh, awards universe. Uh, one thing I, I want to say about um, the awards conversation outside of the actor race is um, that. It seems like Wonder Woman is is people are starting to um, take it seriously, you know, since it's done so well. I I think it's been really fascinating to watch different conversations around this movie evolve. I mean, it's it's certainly a movie of the moment and pushing a lot of buttons and doing very well commercially. It's in doing the very well. It got very good reviews, such good reviews that people started to look at the possibility that it could be an Oscar contender. And when I looked under the hood and sort of investigated it, I, I, I realized that it, that it's, it's an anomaly. So it isn't comparable to all the other comic book movies. I mean, for example, it's really interesting to note that someone like Christopher Nolan, who has been nominated for uh, screenplay and picture, has never been nominated for director. He just hasn't gotten in there. Yeah, and every so, time he made a Batman movie, this was a conversation. And it would be, it would, it, but part of it is that the kinds of movies that he makes are not the ones that people get nominated for, no matter how uh, extraordinary his skill. And I think Duncan Kirk is the kind of movie that people get nominated for, and he's maybe that's one of the reasons he's making a World War II uh, action picture like Saving Private Ryan. So he is, uh, you know, an example of someone who hasn't been rewarded over the years. So why would Patty Jenkins be rewarded? Well, it would be because the Academy is leaning into a certain kind of inclusion, and she is a obvious and obviously super super skilled um, director who delivered on a dime you know a very and she's respected thing. monster you know did well with the academy obviously absolutely so and, and best best actress for for Charlize Theron and and so the the thing about the thing about about this movie is that it to to make Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman work to work with Chris Pine to use him as the everyman entryway to make it to thread the needle so that everyone loves her and isn't threatened by her and wants to be part of this movie, that is extraordinary stuff. And I think that she could be rewarded and Gal Gadot could be rewarded as well. And Chris Pine. I actually think those three Pine, could get right? in. I mean, Pine to me is just like an object that they drool over, which is No, he does a news. skilled performance. He does a very carefully calibrated, <laughs> okay. sometimes sincere, sometimes comedic, you know, reactive and 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 you know, he's the pretty girl in some ways, yeah. but well, he's doing a lot more than that. It's what Chris Hemsworth was doing in the Ghostbusters movie, but in a in a better movie. No, no I it's true. I mean, that. it's it's it's, it's no, actually just, giving you an entry into the movie if well, you're male. I, I suppose that that may be true on some level. I just think it's it's. I just meant that in terms of inverting what we expect to be. Oh no, he's allowed story. to be the the. He is allowed to be the supporting uh, actor, and that's why that's where he would be. Yeah. Well, I guess the question is: there's there's other movies coming up this summer that could do really well commercially. You know, whether it's. Transformers or the new Cars sequel or something like that. Typical, but... You know, technical kinds of things. Right. And Cars three is unlikely as a as a sequel animated film. But, but Wonder Woman, you know, could could if it ha the question is, is it going to have legs all summer long and then stay in the conversation because we have other stuff coming up in the fall and 
you know, is it the is it the blockbuster that will just continue to have that kind of visibility? I uh, think that the fact, as I said, the 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 fact that it's an anomaly that isn't like anything else, the fact that it's a first, it's a glass shattering first, uh, glass ceiling shattering first. That's what makes it um, a possible uh, discussion point. Now, at the end of the year, are you critics all going to put it at you the top critics ten <laughs> best list? You know, I don't. I I I noticed that the Indie Wire group, at least when they were given the chance to put Wonder Woman in in their top uh, considerations of the year so far. It, it, it ranked pretty low, I noticed. It, it ranked low in, in part because of just this, the, the kind of competition against it. But it's not, I mean, it's not that it... Just to be on that list at all is an acknowledgement that it's, it's one of the best movies out this year. Certainly it's one of the best studio movies released this year. I think critics are on kind of divided... On Wonder Woman, you know, there are some people. Well, the numbers are good. I mean, as far as the aggregate. Um, yeah, I would say it just. I let, it's in the seventies. But, but that's yeah. I mean, the numbers game is what it is. I think there, it's very hard to be critical of a movie that works on the terms in which it sets out for itself, and then it's just a question right. of whether. So or not when you, you get to the Oscars and when you get to the, the best movies, of correct. Movies, so it's it's, it's it's but I also. So think, you're probably right about that. I think it's going to be interesting to watch the conversation on this one evolve. And and just see how, but it, but it does seem like if if it stays in the conversation, it won't be jarring, and it's not like there's going to be some major critical pushback if that happens either. So you know, with no, critics in the Oscar race, you know, they sometimes do revolt against certain movies if they take charge. I don't I don't see that happening at all. There is one other movie that that I encountered this week, but it's it's one we've we've uh, talked about in the past that. I'd be curious to see if it has any kind of legs in award season, though. In on, in my estimation, it should, and that's Okja, which uh, you know had this big premiere at Cannes last month, and um, I, I went to a guild screening the other night, and it was all craftspeople on stage. You had the the visual effects guy, you had the cinematographer, set designer, costume designer, and uh, it really what it brought out to me is that. This was a really collaborative project, not only because it's got Korean and American actors, but also it's it's a big, you know, fifty, sixty million dollar movie financed by Netflix and, and day and date release and all that stuff that we've talked about that's controversial. But when you really get down to it, it's a far better blockbuster than probably a lot of more traditionally produced blockbusters this year and to me why are you using the word blockbuster well to me it's it's, it's not a it's never going to be a blockbuster well, you want to know why because it's never going to be any theaters well that's it's never that's, going to be able to re release me, to I, blockbuster I, is a I, theater word no i don't i would argue with that am because i think that it's it, it's only a theater word because it came into use in a different era in which that's the only but way. But you have no way sense. to measure something's we performance we at, at, as, on I, Netflix. But you I have no way of knowing no, whether it's a blockbuster. I I'm really arguing with no. you about this. Stand down, Ann. Stand down. Because let me tell you this. I think I, Blockbuster has a more expansive application in the sense that it, it, it is not only related to how the movie performs, but a way in which it presents itself. This is a, a spectacle. It's a big movie. It's got special effects. It's playing with genre. It's got stars in it. It's escapist fantasy. It's got certain kind of family-friendly elements until the slaughterhouse stuff towards the end. 
it feels like it's just being use made a word, for... Just use a word like it's a great big action adventure comedy and it, it blends all these different yeah, genres it's and it's really on a, a big studio scale. It, it, I think it costs $65 million. Yeah. Yeah. So so it's a really fun movie and I like it a lot. And yeah, well, I, it's not a tentpole because it's not holding up other movies in the slate. It's not a blockbuster because it's not going to play all over the world in oh, thousands of theaters. It's going to play all it's, over the world on Netflix. It's so, going to play so all over the world on Netflix. Yeah. And that's Although, the difference. Although, it, talk about North Korea, well, that, or South that, Korea, yeah, rather. The, the, yeah, <laughs> good luck playing in North Korea. But South in Korea. South Korea, 93% of theaters have decided not to play this film, which is interesting because, you know... It's similar for, to what happened in France. But exactly. Netflix is very new in South Korea. It's very new all over the world, but it's very new in South Korea, as is the day-and-date model itself. And specifically with respect to Bong Joon-ho, this is notable because Snowpiercer, which did all right in the U.S., was a big box office hit in South Korea. So you would think, irrespective of all the Netflix stuff, that at the very least this movie should be able to do well in his home country. And now it's, it's a question of whether or not it will because Netflix is not huge there yet. So, so part of what happened there was that in the negotiation with uh, Netflix in order to get the movie, they had to promise Bong Joon-ho that they would play in South Korea. That was part of the deal. And so it is it, it has a theatrical release at all because the director wanted it to have a theatrical release. And part of what part of what I find interesting about Netflix is that they keep touting their model, which is a non-theatrical model, which is fine, and I approve of the way they do their deals and there's worldwide rights and they yeah. take all the, you know, uh, profit sharing and all that stuff off the table and they just pay a flat fee. All that's great. And you can make, but why not just admit that, the, just be straight about it. These movies aren't theatrical and just forget it because they're not, they just keep running into problems. They couldn't even, they couldn't even get the projection right in Cannes, you no, know? And, and nobody's going to get the uh, colors right on their home TV screens unless Darius Kanji, the cinematographer, wants to come over to everyone's house and, and tweak the settings, you know what I mean? It's like... There, there is a disconnect there because I think it's awesome that Netflix is getting a movie like that made, you know, with with complete autonomy to the director, as far as I can tell, and all that stuff. But it, they just have zero interest in the theatrical element. So to pretend that they're acknowledging theatrical by doing day and date just feels like a disingenuous message. And they they just need to message it better. I mean, the the way in which they relate to the very serious. Uh, Aspects of the film industry, the French exhibitors in Cannes being this really extreme example, I mean, they have to improve that. I mean, it's just for the sake of being a respectable player in the scene, because it feels like they're just giving everyone the middle finger still. Well, I think they're also trying to have their cake and eat it too. And that's why I'm saying, why not just embrace what you are and, and stop trying to be something that you aren't? And in, in, a, in, a, in effect, it's a, it, this is an example of the old world order bumping into the new, and, and they, they just have to be who they are. So next week, maybe we can uh, find some more familiar terrain to come back to. There's a couple good film festivals coming up. Here in New York, we have BAM Cinema Fest out in L.A. You've got the Los Angeles Film Festival, and I guess if you want to go see Mummy over the weekend, maybe we can come back and see if you thought it was a masterpiece or not. But uh, my hope is that we'll have other things to, to talk about by then. I'm sure we will. All right, have a good All right, one. Bye, Anne. Eric. Bye. Step into the world of power 
loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.